Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. I stopped making New Year's resolutions years ago. I became discouraged. They never lasted. I don't think I'm alone. Every January, when I go to a gym, it's packed. But by about this time, the end of January, it's business as usual, and there are not as many people in the gym anymore. So I was curious to find another way. I saw a video interview between my guest today, Imogen Roy, and Seth Godin about goal setting, and I was inspired to reach out to her to find out more, to see if there was a way that we could improve upon the idea of a New Year's resolution and to turn it into success. Hello, everyone. Today, my guest is Imogen Roy. She is a strategy coach. She's here to talk to us about how to set real goals. We're about to have a really great discussion. I'm excited. Good morning, uh, Imogen. For me, good afternoon for you. How are you? (laughs) Hi, Nadine. It's great to be here. I'm very well, thank you. So can you please tell us about yourself? Of course. So I am indeed a strategy coach, and I help entrepreneurial people to be more purposeful, more productive, and more present in their lives and businesses. Um, I've been doing this for a year and a half. Before I was in corporate, I was working as a marketing manager. And when I left my corporate career, I didn't want to just design a new career for myself in self-employment. I really wanted to design, redesign my whole life. And I really didn't want to compromise. I was very clear that I wanted to do only the work that I wanted to do with the people that I wanted to work with. So I borrowed some decision-making frameworks from books. I created some of my own to really um, foster self-awareness, to help me design a business and a career in which I could thrive. I'd left um, a a pretty good career and had been rewarded. I'd had great jobs. I was paid very well. But I'd always felt like I had to sort of hide or shave down some parts of myself I felt like I was having to make too many compromises the more senior I got and I just didn't want to do that anymore so I did some self-awareness exercises and uh, tools and what I came up with was that I should be a brand strategist and this was a combination of my passions my skills my strengths uh, my calling And I did that uh, for a year and a half. I I still do some of that work as a consultant. And I like to say that brand strategy consulting was my gateway drug to coaching. Because when I first started working with quite well-known industry frameworks like The Golden Circle by Simon Sinek, um, which is from his book Start With Why, I'm sure a lot of people in business have heard Start With Why, Create Your Mission, Your Vision, etc., And I loved working with these tools with my clients. And I was always deeply moved by the powerful clarity and the transformational energy that would happen in the room when people would come across 
the why behind their business or the, the calling behind their business, the mission they wanted to fulfill in the world. And I love this. But after a while, I found myself thinking, if these tools and these frameworks and these approaches to thinking and reflecting on our businesses are so powerful, why aren't we using them in our lives as individuals? You know, I, I realized, I said, if I go out on the street and I ask someone, what are your values for your life? What is your vision for your life? People would look at me like I was a lunatic. <laughs> and it bothered me. You know, I, I thought we're so comfortable investing lots of money and time and energy in creating these personas for businesses, but we're not for ourselves. And so strategy coaching is simply a job I completely made up <laughs> <laughs> based on what I, to meet what I saw was a need, which was to give entrepreneurial people a much more holistic approach to business coaching um, and using those tools that I myself used, plus with my background as a marketer, to help entrepreneurial people to de design and then execute a holistic business strategy that's based on a deep foundation of self-awareness and their own personal values so that they can thrive. So yeah, that's my story and that's how I came, came to be doing the work I do today. That's profound in its simplicity <laughs> because it's not the typical way I think people approach work. It's almost like work is outside of themselves. There's a mm -hmm. real me and then there's the me that I present in the world, in the work world. And it's somehow almost empowering to think that the two should be combined so that we can present the best versions of ourselves in our home life mm -hmm. and in our work life, that they really shouldn't be separate. Our values should flow from one to the other to make our lives more harmonious. I think that can be a very fulfilling way to live. There's definitely, I think in the past, it was easier for people to separate work and home because simply the technology allowed that. And now that we live in this totally new era where personal and professional is blended as one and the boundaries are blurred and we can't shut off work when we're at home, it's starting to, at least for me personally, it started, I started to feel like if I was going to spend my whole life working, so to speak, thinking about work, you know, and getting information and material for my work, getting inspired with my work, then I may as well love it, live it, breathe it. And I also really believe that everyone can design a career that just in the way that I did. Um, it won't exactly look the same. It won't be coaching. Probably it'll be something very different, but uh, it's one of the things I help my clients with is actually to design a business around their strengths, their passions, their mission, their values, so that every day they get up in the morning and they can feel like they can just feel more in charge of mm -hmm. their life. Mm -hmm. You know, they can feel that whatever happens today, I chose this. This was designed by me for me. 
And I think that it, it is a very empowering place to live from. Hmm. What's a goal? Athena, I love this question. This is a great question. And I wonder whether many people have asked themselves the same thing. So in my work, I, I talk a lot about goals, goal setting, goal achieving. And I would say that a goal is simply put a desire. A goal is recognizing that there is a gap between where you are now and where you want to be and that you have a desire to close that gap. And I see setting goals and working towards goals as a, as a spiritual practice of accepting radical responsibility for your own life and wanting to make your desires a reality. Because I don't, I don't believe that we have any control over what we desire. All we can control is how we decide to react. Hmm. So am I hearing you say that it's more of a journey and not so much a destination? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like when you make, okay, with goals, I think there's two types of goals. There's the sort of traditional externalized goals. So New Year's resolutions often fall into this category. Mm -hmm. There's already the sense of peer pressure, of external pressure, because everyone is supposed to set New Year's resolutions, right? And we're in the, you know, in the media, it's very clear which New Year's resolutions are better than others. You know, we should all be losing weight. We should all be dieting. We should all be, you know, whatever. And those types of goals can provide a lot of motivation initially, not necessarily always good motivation. So negative motivation is very motivating. Motivators like guilt and shame, fear, uh, they can be very powerful and effective, but they're not sustainable. The other type of goal is a goal which comes from within, which starts with how do I want to feel? What do I feel called to? What does my body want me to do? It's this kind of mind-body connection. And often those kind of goals maybe don't sound like real goals or, or other people might ask us, that's a goal? Why, why, why do you want that? Or they seem very small. They seem very safe. They seem very simple. But those can be the most powerful goals because of the place from which they've come. And also... Again, it goes back to a, a real goal is deciding to design your life. Mm. And that can only come from within. You know, choosing, deciding and saying, I'm not going to wait for life to happen to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to wait for some miracle to come from the outside and change me. It's deciding, no, I'm going to take action. I'm going to make small changes one by one. I won't settle for, work, for where I am now. I will design my life. That is what I think a real goal is. Are there key ingredients that we need to attain those goals? Is there a particular mindset to realize those goals? 
Mm, absolutely. So mindset is key. I would say two types of mindset, fixed mindset, growth mindset. Mm. A fixed mindset is a way of thinking like the way I am today is the way I'll always be. Mm. People don't change. I can't see how that's possible. It's too late for me. That's a fixed mindset. Is this belief that if it hasn't happened already, it's not going to happen. That these are just the way things are and it's better to just accept. A growth mindset, on the other hand, is embracing new things. It's about being willing to try, to experiment. A growth mindset says, I'm curious about what I'm capable of. I'm willing to change my mind along the way. I'm willing to get it wrong, maybe, to be a beginner, to take an uncertain path where I'm not, I'm not, the outcome is not guaranteed. And a growth mindset is one which you, you commit to putting in the work without being certain of the result and also being open to the beauty and the surprise and the spontaneity of what life places in your path along the journey. And really with a growth mindset, it's about you know saying to yourself, no matter my age, no matter my experience, there is always something new to learn. The fixed versus the growth mindset, the differences I think for, for a lot of people might be that the fixed mindset is comfortable. Mm, absolutely. And the growth mindset is uncomfortable and therefore can be very scary. Mm. You know, dealing yeah. with the uncertainty, dealing with the, what I like to tell my students in classes and in my yoga classes is part of a yoga practice is learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Leaning into hard things. And I think also, in a way, returning to who we were as children. When you think about children, mm. they're not afraid to do things they've never done before. They're not afraid to potentially hurt themselves, get a little bump or scratch here and there, to be uncomfortable, to move their bodies in ways that they've never moved before, to challenge themselves mentally. And I think it's important for us to remember that no matter how old we are today, that's who we were too once. And we can still be that. The inner child is always with us. It's a question of, are we listening to them or not? And um, a lot of something we hear a lot is no pain, no gain. Mm. And I think it's also important to remember that the pain doesn't last forever. It's like stretching a muscle. You know, at the very beginning, you're trying a new exercise and it feels really uncomfortable and your body's telling, oh, no, I would stop this. Uh, you know, because of course our, you know, our brain is this fascinating organism that's designed for this very low calorie environment. And it wants to save calories, mental or physical, at any opportunity. But of course, we live in this calorie abundant uh, environment, but our brain is still telling us, oh, don't exert yourself. Please don't just lie down. Mm -hmm. We need to save calories. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so even our bodies don't know what's good for us sometimes. But absolutely, I think there's, but there's something also so rewarding about finding just the right level of challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing in our universe is stable. Stability doesn't exist. Every atom and every moment is in movement. And so it's not natural for humans to be fixed. In Eastern medicine, stagnation is the root cause of all illness. So why would we want to stay where we are? Bodies are not designed for that. You know. You're touching upon so many profound principles we do need to be yeah. uncomfortable. We yeah. do need stress in order to adapt and yeah. to get better and to be stronger. Absolutely. You know, I think um, we've done ourselves a big disservice in some ways by redesigning our, our society to value convenience mm-hmm. above everything else. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at nature, there is nothing in nature that nothing. is convenient. Agreed. Agreed. And yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah, and there's an author um james altucher uh he's written a couple of books very wise man he's had a very interesting life experience he writes about trying to be one percent better every day just one percent better you know we can all do that we can all push ourselves just one percent what one percent more steps you know, reach 1% higher, hold a plank for 1% longer, mm. read 1% more pages, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, and what he says, which is so beautiful, is that, you know, the compounding effect, right? If, you try, if you're 1% better every day, you're not starting from zero again every day. You're starting from where you were yesterday. And 1% better in 365 days is something like, 30 times better simply by the value of compounding mm-hmm. and it's always adding exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that idea of small steps every day one day you look you you stop and you look back and you see how quite how far you've come which leads me to this next question which is what are common pitfalls when we are setting goals i'd say a big one is choosing too many for a start, mm-hmm. especially right here at this time of year where we're feeling this external pressure to change everything in our lives. And we want to change our diet. And we want to start exercising. We want to change our job. We want to change this and do this. And, oh, you know, changing behavior is really hard. We know this, right? Yes. So I think focusing on just one small thing at a time, mm-hmm. you know, and being able to stack change on each other but not you know having compassion giving ourselves time and space and resources to actually make those changes we want to work on those goals and also i think what i see a lot of people doing is they set a goal often a very specific goal you know very measurable but they don't think things all the way through so they don't work backwards to break down that goal into the smaller chunks along the path. And then they, they can't give themselves a, a, a decent timeline to work on it. And it doesn't give them clarity on what habits and what tasks they should be working on first. So it just remains this big, intangible, lofty 
vision yes that's never brought down to earth and therefore is never realized and i think that's where a lot of heartbreak around goals comes from is never being able to start on the journey make the first step because you haven't brought that dream down to where you are now mm-hmm. you know you might want to be here in 5 years that's great but it still means you got to take the first step today. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what is that? Mm-hmm. Why don't new year's resolutions work? What should we do instead? <laughs> yeah, great question. I would caveat that first by saying that they sometimes do work, um but it really depends on the person making them, mm. the circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us are actually very good at meeting our own internal expectations. Um, Gretchen Rubin wrote a fantastic book called "The Four Tendencies." Yes, and there are a, a small number of the population who are very good at committing to themselves and meeting those inner expectations. However, the majority of us are not. So, again, it goes back to feelings and habits. So, you know, when you're, if you want to, if you want to do a New Year's resolution, don't just do it because it's a, new, it's time to make New Year's resolutions. Mm, so that's um, key. I, I really like that you said that. I want to pause you right there because just there's no hard and set fast rule that says it has to be January first, and if you miss the deadline, forget it. Absolutely. And likewise, you shouldn't just wait for an arbitrary date to make really important change in your life or work on your goals. You know, becoming the person we want to be is a daily practice. So, you know, it's, some people find that New Year's resolutions it gives them that little bit of oomph and that reason to commit. You know, new year, clean slate, new decade, even. But definitely, there's there's a lot of obligation. And there's not when you're not connected to the intention, and you're not connected to how you want to feel, why you want to make this change. It's really difficult to find the motivation to continue. And then, of course, we get into the habits. Okay, a resolution, right? But how are you going to resolve that? You know, taking the intangible down to the day-to-day action. And then just hopping back to what Gretchen Rubin writes about the four tendencies is that if you are an obliger or a rebel, uh, someone who struggles to follow through on the commitments that you make to yourself mm-hmm. for yourself, how will you build in that outer accountability to make sure that you stick to those habits? So finding those tangible strategies that work with your personality and your circumstances of how can you make sure that you set yourself up for success? So what would you say to a wise woman who wants to find purpose, set goals for herself, say in the two scenarios after retirement, because Mm -hmm. this is something that I see. So finding new purpose Mm -hmm. or an empty nester. So you see where there can be a struggle there. There can be a little bit of a chasm because she has identified herself in a a particular role that has kept her engrossed for so Mm -hmm. long. And now there's a shift 
in this identity? There can be. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. And I think it touches on an idea that we struggle with in our society, which is in, in many ways we tend to think of ourselves and our own identity as being stable throughout life. We're the mm. same person and that's not true at all, actually. We pass through these life phases, which may be very clear from the outside, but may be actually very much more fuzzy. And we're not ever really sure whether we've, which one we're in at any given moment. And throughout life, we actually become slightly different people with different desires. And so at these transitional moments where, for example, retirement or the children have left home, it's really important to reconnect with who you are at that moment and to go inwards and and do a sort of self-check-in. Do I still want the same things I used to want? Am I still interested in the same things that I used to be interested in? What excites me these days? What gives me energy? You know, how do I want to feel? Again, that really important question. And especially for women who spent years, maybe even decades, very externally focused, attending to others' needs, the identity coming from the outside, it can be really odd to suddenly go within it's uh, you know it's not necessarily a practice that many busy moms have been used to or even you know busy professionals you know retirement creates this huge empty space and we definitely don't give enough emotional support to women in those life phases we sort of you know there's a lot of oh, what will you do now that you have all this time? You know, I don't know. (laughs) And I think it's important just to recognize it's okay not to know. It's okay to just be in the space and to breathe. And then slowly over time to sort of build this reconnecting practice of going within. And for for some, it might be, you know, through a practice like yoga of the mixture of the postures and the challenge and the prana and the going within and the reconnecting with the the mind, the body and the spirit. Others might find that meditation or long walks or reflection, reading, reading material that maybe they haven't picked up in a long time Mm -hmm. because they haven't had time and slowly reconnecting with, you know, sort of, I say orienting towards that which is giving you life at that phase might be going out socially in a way you haven't before and others it might be more retreating and and coming back to how do I want to feel right now do I want to feel needed or do I want to feel like I'm in charge of my space Mm. do I want to feel fit and strong or do I want to feel well rested right now do I just need a break What advice would you give to a wise woman in the earlier stages of life, Mm. say college, in the midst of family, in the midst of a career? Mm. Yeah, so I'm, this is where I'm at, really. I'm not yet 30. There's a book that I really, really recommend. It's um, by Meg Jay, 
who's a, I believe she's a psychotherapist working with uh, people in their 30s. And it's called 20s, The Defining Decade. And she was called to write this book because she just heard from hundreds of her clients these deep regrets they had, the challenges they were facing in their personal, professional, and family lives at age 30, 35. And so she felt called to write a book about what these 30-year-olds wish their 20-something selves had known or done. And she writes very profoundly about um, how the 20s in our Western modern culture are often painted as this kind of trivialized time where you can sort of just do whatever you want and, you know, just enjoy life, don't take it too seriously. Um, when in fact, the 20s is a really transformative period of our adult lives. And actually, according to her research, pretty much the rest, the whole of the rest of our lives, how it turns out depends on what we do or don't do in our 20s. Like by age 30, pretty much 75% of the most important decisions we make in our lives are have been taken. And, you know, she talks a lot about getting clear on your personal values and what, you know, is important to you. And also, you know, pushing your boundaries and experimenting and, you know, getting ahead at work because things like income, for instance, the differences in income are made in your 20s mm. and it's very, very difficult to catch up. So I would encourage anyone who's at the sort of beginning of their journey to pick up that book. It has some really interesting insights. And even if you're not in your 20s, it's a great book just to remind you about how much your life is in your own hands in many ways and lots of strategies and things to think about, about, you know, how can I set myself off on the right foot? And another, I guess another piece of advice that I would give, and actually I gave this to my own sister quite recently, is when you're young and at the beginning of your career, it's far more important, more important than your own job or your status or your title, is the people who you are surrounded by. Mm-hmm. Um, the expanders, the people who expand what your idea of what's possible for you in life and it's so important to get into the room or to find these people who can expand our sense of what's possible for us um, again it goes back to fixed mindset growth mindset it's so important to keep that growth mindset and quite simply not to settle too early not to arrive somewhere and go well, this is okay. I guess I'll just stay here now. Mm. Only to regret that much later in life that you settled for so little. So, and expanders can come in all forms. They can be our teachers, they can be our friends, but they can also be people we follow online, um, people who take controversial views on a topic, people who have really strong values and missions, um, people who are doing things differently. They're going against the status quo and deciding, hey, I, I don't accept that. I'm going to do it a different way. And expanders just remind us of how much agency we have in the world. We could keep going on for hours. 
I know I could. <laughs> this has been a remarkably enlightening conversation. So I thank you very much um, for your time today and your teaching you. and your wisdom. What is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? Mm, this is a really beautiful question. My definition of healthy, I actually picked up from a Brene Brown book. And when I read this, I wept because I felt so, I'd found my mantra. And it is strong back, soft front, wild heart. And I'll tell you what that means for me. So strong back means being physically strong, feeling, feeling powerful as a woman, feeling like I could hold my own. And I work on this every day. I do strength conditioning every day. But beyond the physical manifestation, it's also about how I show up mentally. It's about being courageous, taking up space, and having really clear boundaries. Soft front, it's about that emotional well-being. It's about putting down my armor so I can be a soft place to land for others. And it's also about devoting commitment and energy to healing myself and practicing self-compassion. And finally, having a wild heart is about because I am strong and I am also soft, I can love without fear. I can play in the world. And with those three things, I feel healthy, but most of all, I feel whole. How can we find you? So you can go to my website, www.imogenroy.com. And from there, you can find everything. You can find my newsletter, my social media, and you can also find out how to work with me if you are called to do so. And now it's time for practical tips. These are some of the key lessons I took from this episode. To set a goal, take the following steps. Number one, define your why. It must be relevant to you. Number two, remember that a goal is a process, a journey, not a destination. Number three, a process is forgiving. You can adapt and modify your how to get to your meaningful and relevant goal. Number four, have patience and be kind to yourself. I thank each and every one of you for listening. For more information, please go to my website, yogimd.net. Connect with me if you're curious about starting yoga. You can also subscribe to the podcast from the website and share your favorite episodes with others. And finally, check out my YouTube channel for free videos to practice yoga. More content will be available on the YouTube channel very soon. Keep up with me by subscribing to my newsletter also from my website. Thanks for being here. See you next time. Thank you.